0: Say That podcast, you hear big questions, get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago, and joining us is Glenn Fitzgerald, the founder of Mission USA. Correct. Also joining us is the director of Mission USA Productions, Jed Brewer.
1: I mean, probably.
0: Joining with us all the way from Mercury, Tennessee, one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger.
2: Hello. I'm just matching Matt's energy in
0: 2021. It's legitimate, and that is a true reflection of my inner self, and not just the tone with which I have... Introduced the show for many years. <laughs> I'm not caught in a prison of my own falseness in any way, shape, or form. I don't know why you mentioned that. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And that is not the reason we have to declare an emergency. Me being trapped in a, a simulacrum of uh, enthusiasm, which is the best I can hope <laughs> for, is just a fact of life at this point. But we do, unfortunately, have to start this show by declaring an emergency. And this emergency, I'm going to read a headline. And I think you'll see why.
1: Uh, I'm sorry, we missed the cue. What? An emergency?
2: <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> That's how tired we all are. After exactly. Well,
0: old machine, 2020 <laughs> took a lot out of us. We're still on the lag. Yeah. We're forgetting our own running bits.
1: Oh my God. you could cut I, it all together. To where I just, I'll just go pick yeah. one out from Listen, four it,
0: years ago. Yeah.
2: You yeah. guys are gonna love this, but this is how tired I've been this week. I, I got an email that I have let lapse for four days. I haven't responded to where uh, people are asking me, would I be a part of uh, their, their children's uh, you know, wedding ceremony? Would I officiate their <laughs> wedding ceremony? I'm so tired that I literally don't care. This is ev- the most important thing that's ever happened in these young people's lives. Right. They've gone to our church for a long time. I literally, for four or five days, I told Christy, I told my wife earlier today, I'm just not responding. And I told our secretary, "Tell them I'm taking the week off." Right.
0: <laughs> Which week? Any of them? Pick one. I'm taking it off. I'm taking.
2: <laughs> I, that's how. That's how tired we all are. It's I the most like important the day of you your job's life. That? I could not care.
0: Be like, okay, do I have to stand up?
2: <laughs> yeah. Can I do this for some I, kind of stool? Can I stool zoom situation? into the wedding? <laughs> that's right.
0: That's right. Let's get some technology up on this hologram. Do we have time for holograms. <laughs> well, one church outfit that definitely has hologram capabilities, whether or not they've used it. And we've discussed recently on this show is the Hillsong church, mm. Which you may remember, we recently read an article about them uh, needing a, a, somebody. They're probably gonna have to make some hires over there pretty soon. Cause they let go of their uh, lead pastor after he, did some entirely unsurprising, but still sad things that he had to be let go for. And you may wonder who can step into such a, such a, a big job, such a, you know, a, a solid top tier celebrity Christian job. And to answer that, we turn to uh what I assume is a subsidiary of Christianity today, page com, <laughs> And their headline, Justin Bieber reportedly studying to be a minister for Hillsong church.
1: What?
3: Wow.
0: <laughs>
1: now no
0: and look i I, i'm you obviously it's audio medium you people can't see the article i'm sure you can find it for yourselves but whoever's the photo editor over at page six just pick intentionally pick the douchiest picture they could find of justin bieber (laughs) (laughs) that's really saying something but i read i read on and gentlemen jump in whenever you uh you recover your brains uh Justin Bieber is studying to become a minister, hoping to help lead Hillsong after the firing of preacher pal Carl Lentz, according to a report. Justin doesn't want to give up his music career, but he feels he's being called, there's a bigger calling for him out there, a source told OK Magazine, which is where I go for all my important spiritual and ministerial (laughs) news. He wants to be a full-fledged minister next year, the source insisted of the 26-year-old singer.
1: Well, I have several thoughts on this. It, Are any of them broadcastable? Uh, n- mostly, no. Well, uh, I'll just filter those out. But it, it, as I said before the uh, the podcast, I, I'm before we rolled, I'm I'm actually more familiar with Kate McKinnon's impersonation of Bieber <laughs> than I am with actual <laughs> Bieber. And I, I, you know, so I, I don't, I, I couldn't comment uh, on that and i think it's uh it's a it's a lovely idea to want to do something to help your church who may be rapidly losing members to have sort of something positive to look forward to uh but i think uh harnessing the power of celebrity uh is not the way to do that, given that's how we got yeah. into this mess. I was going to say, it worked so well before, Glenn. <laughs> I don't know if y'all are familiar with the film Talladega Nights, and you shouldn't because it's awful and there are bad things in there, but there's a scene where there's a fork stuck in the thigh of Will Ferrell, and they, just, they try <laughs> and get it out by jabbing another fork in it to dig that fork out. <laughs> that's what I'm running through my mind right now. Also, and this is going to be happy news, there are a lot of churches that will ordain you, and you can call yourself a pastor, you right. don't need to study for anything. That's right. Because it's just, ordination is just a dude saying, yep, you're ordained, that's it. So th- there there are a lot of holes in this. I definitely heard of a parachurch organization. You just send in 50
2: bucks and you get the piece of paper.
0: Oh, yeah. I, though that's certainly the way it would go, I just like the idea of Bieber applying to Wheaton, to Moody, to Princeton, just really seeing what he can he can get himself caught up in there in some of the finer <laughs> theological institutions in this fine country.
2: The <laughs> only thing I've been thinking of, Matt, since you read the headline, is how many uh, worship song Mad Libs can I squeeze into Bieber songs? Oh, oh feel yeah. free. You know, Jesus, Holy Spirit, hallelujah. Very good. Okay. Very good. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right up there. And already, it. Is it more, too more late now to say bless him. you? <laughs> okay, yeah, there, you go.
0: there you go. The sermon series write themselves. Is it too late to apologize? We'll find out <laughs> as we explore <laughs> Ephesians together. <laughs> well, I like the idea of. I think this opens up something because we, 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 you know, Lee is a pastor. The three of us in Chicago work with a lot of pastors, and there's a lot of actual. Harm that is wrought through the church from random people in the pews looking at the the guy up there on the mic on Sunday morning and thinking to themselves, I could do that. Because, <laughs> yeah, It a that part of it is harder than you think. But at a good church, you don't see the uh the prayer and the talking to people who are having in jacked up situations and all the, the real legwork that a, a good uh, pastor does for their people, which is, the sermon is very, very small part of. But I think. Justin Bieber may have accurately assessed Carl Lentz's contribution contributions to the uh, the body, and he said, "Hang out with famous people and talk once a week." Feels like I could do that. He might not be wrong.
2: <laughs> That's probably true. I, I don't know if I've shared this on the podcast before, but I think what, when I was when I was offered a position in kind of a uh you know kind of a young guy in a pastoral role in a discipleship function heading towards being a, a pastor. I just kind of thought, well, this is, this is going to be like, you know, leading worship services and, and having conversations about the scriptures with my favorite dudes, you know, and I was, you know, 19 years old and I thought this is going to be great. And then as I got into that role vocationally, I found out, as these other three guys in the podcast know, that being in full-time ministry is basically Handling other people's problems for the rest of your life every single day of the week. That's what the job is. It's serving people and helping them through their problems. I was So uh, keeping that in mind, I was on a run early one morning through a a neighborhood in my town. And at a local park, there was a truck from the city waste management. Um, And understand, this is an ungodly hour. Like, uh, it was so early in the morning. Nobody's awake. I'm running by this park, and this waste management truck had a pipe uh, attached to it, and he was, uh, and he was sucking out whatever was inside a porta potty. He was managing the oh. waste, literally managing waste. And I thought, yeah, five forty-five a.m. in the dark, dealing with the poop—that's what being a pastor is. Nobody knows. <laughs> right. Who gets it? Nobody knows when it happens. That's what the work of a pastor is. It's not that thing where you're on the mic for a few minutes Hello. on a Sunday morning.
4: Lee, A, that's amazing. B, to make him a megachurch pastor, same guy in the middle of the night, sucking the poop out of the porta potty but there's lasers going the whole time.
0: <laughs> right.
4: You know what? Unlike the megachurch pastor, I feel like that guy deserves
0: it.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> he <they laughs> definitely a laser deserves like it. Well, you know you know first, let's just say this i mean we're you know we're 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 jibing we're we're you're we're poking a little fun we're cracking wise here, <laughs> but you know, I think it's fantastic that anybody wants to go into any kind of ministry and you know if people want to do it, that's great, but you know I think the the part that we w- w- might want to comment on here is. It seems like people would care that you're famous while you're giving them some form of spiritual care, but it kind of doesn't work that way. It's like, you know, it's like if Bruce Springsteen said, I want to become a doctor. The first thing you'd say is, you know, that's great. The second thing you'd say is, you know, you, you got to gig this paying you pretty good. Third thing you'd say is people would go to you and be excited to have Bruce Springsteen be their doctor, but then you've got to actually, you know, yeah, yeah, you got to doctor them because <laughs> otherwise this turns ugly really quick. <laughs> they're, they're not going to be okay with that. Well, to that exact
4: point, when you tell him, "Hey, look, Bob, you know, I know it's not what you hear, what you want to hear, but you got to quit smoking. That's really what's before you. You being a uh, Bruce Springsteen holds no currency in that moment right.
1: at all." Yeah, I, I'm sorry, you have an incurable cancer. Come on, Bruce! Give me some options here.
0: And now, tunnel of love.
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know how? how uh, you know how good a doctor are you? You 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 don't seem to know what you're doing here. And then all of a sudden, it it gets pretty ugly pretty quick. You know.
0: Yeah, that's that's definitely true. I, I one thing I think about Lee's excellent analogy there is there's a Bible verse about how the truly depraved prefer to do their deeds in darkness. And that's never really resonated with me until I thought of it as people who like to run. And now <laughs> right. I can really get behind the idea that that is a, that is yeah. a shame you should hide. But this also does bring up the other, maybe a an important point of if we're going this way, which it certainly seems we are of just, we're dropping the pretense of, you know, I got to be Christian and then I'll get famous that way. And we're just going to start slotting pop stars and celebrities into uh, mega church roles. Who would be good? like Bieber no. you know, is not that much. And I'm on record as liking this person anyway, but if you tell me Carly Ray Jepsen is preaching at whatever I'm coming, I don't know what's going to happen, yeah, right. but yeah. it's going to be, it's going to be well-produced and upbeat and I'm fine with that.
4: It, I love that. Here's mine. Senior teaching pastor Benicio del Toro. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. Fantastic.
1: Can he be doing the guy from the usual suspects the whole time? I'd insist on
0: it. Well, it's a different the, the one every sinister. week. You get Usual Suspects one. Oh gosh, he's in No Country for Old Men mode. This is gonna be this is gonna be a challenging Sunday morning.
1: <laughs> it, it'll flip you. It'll flip you for real.
0: <laughs> What's the most you've ever lost on a casting of lots? I don't know. This is dark. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I mean, you know what? The, what this makes me think of is like. um Uh, I don't know if people will remember this, but when Michael Jordan retired from basketball after being the best basketball player of all time, uh, then and now, uh,
0: this has been a certified old man opinion. Which we all (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
3: are. We're all
1: white men over thirty-five. We are
0: required to hold from Chicago.
1: Certified correct old man opinion. Seen him play with my own eyeballs. I'm just saying. But after he retired, he actually tried to become a minor league baseball player and, and played uh, part of a season, if I remember right, with the Birmingham Barons and the White Sox organization. And um, there was it, it, that the White Sox happened to be owned by the same guy who owned the Bulls. So that's kind of how that happened. Uh, but they asked the baseball players about it and they said, well. I'm a baseball player. and The fact that he wants to be a baseball player after already being the best basketball player in the world is very flattering. I'm, I'm very thrilled, but, you know, there's more to it than just, uh, you know, having great athletic ability. You kind of need, you know, need to know what you're in for. So, you know, you know, cheers to him. It's just, uh, you know, you you, you may want to ask around about it. <laughs>
0: That's definitely true. That being said, Daft
1: Punk does church. You check it out once. You know, I would. I would do that. Or if they're, they got to, they got to wear the helmets though. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'd watch that.
4: We're up all night to get holy. Yeah. Wow, nice. And
0: there's the joke. We're not going to top. Yep. So <laughs> on that basis, we will declare emergency <laughs> off. Now, we may not have the uh, the pop chops of one Justin Bieber, but we've been producing actual spiritual content for quite a while. We do that with Bridgebox, MissionUSA.com slash Bridgebox. We're here in the month of January. We're looking at the question, what do I do when I'm too tired to start over? Ah. Which, as we pointed out, we can all relate to that one this year. We also have our Bridge live service every Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. Central Time at Facebook.com slash The Bridge Chicago. If you can't catch that live, you can always find... Every episode archived on the videos tab at our Facebook page. We're going to jump to our first question here. If you handle this all the way to the end, I'll give you some ways to get in touch this, or you can scroll down into your episode description and find the links there. Our first question comes in and says, what is spiritual growth? I saw a year-end evaluation thing floating around about that, but it just seemed to measure how involved at church you are. What does it really mean? And a very, very cool question on a big subject, but Jed, where would we start off?
4: It's a great question, and we really appreciate you kind of seeing something in Christian circles that doesn't make sense and actually pointing that out insisting on getting an answer. That's really, really good. That is an instinct that will hold you in good stead. So let's use a slightly different phrase for a second, but one that probably makes a little bit more sense, which is personal growth. Um, All human beings, uh, in order to have a healthy and, and fulfilled fulfilled or fulfilling life should be growing and changing and evolving as people. And that's personal growth. And that would apply to their career and their relationships and their interests and hobbies and pursuits. Uh, And and I think that we all kind of get that. And and we may not always know exactly how to quantify it, but I think we all get the idea that to live a healthy, fulfilled and fulfilling life is to grow and to keep growing and to keep changing and, and evolving. And that's that's what it is to be human, that to be perfectly stagnant would not be a great life. And I, again, I think that's something that we all fairly intuitively understand. Spiritual growth would be certainly a subset of that because you, you are a spiritual person and you are a spiritual being, um, your mind and body and spirit. And, and ideally, we would want all three of those to be growing, but we do want your spirit to be growing as well. So, fortunately, on this, the Bible has a really good guide. Um, if you turn to the fifth chapter of Galatians, there's a point where Paul talks about something that uh, people have deemed uh, the fruits of the Spirit, um, and those are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Yes, I was a preacher's kid. So, the thing about fruit is it grows. Uh, so, it's actually a, a good way to think about spiritual growth. but. It's a little bit weird. Like there's not a number assigned to how patient you are. You know, I was a 5.3 on patients last year and this year I'm a 5.4. So I'm really getting after it. So we, we may need to embrace some slightly different questions to get at what would growing in these things look like. So I've got some questions for you to consider just as a starting point, but I, I bet that you could begin to adapt some of your own. So for example, One of the fruits of the spirit is kindness. And one open-ended question for you to consider is, are you learning, have you been learning new ways to be kind both to yourself and to other people? Because kindness is a fruit of the spirit, but it's also something that has to be put into action. It is a craft that must be lived out for it to mean very much. And so are you finding, are you discovering new ways to show kindness? Are you finding new arenas in which you can be kind, again, both to yourself and to other people? One of the fruits of the Spirit is joy. Uh, Kind of an exploratory question there would be, are you finding new ways to experience joy? Are you finding new activities that bring you joy? Are you finding new moments in which you're able to sit with your joy and really experience it? Uh, One more, one of the fruits of the Spirit is gentleness. And uh, it's worth asking, are you learning how to bring gentleness into tough situations? Uh, we, We talk on this show a lot, and rightly so, about the need for boundaries, and sometimes that means the need for confrontation. Are you learning how to bring gentleness into setting boundaries and into confrontation and into moments where you need to be firm, where you're able to be both firm and gentle at the exact same time? These are all areas of spiritual growth. And what's interesting about them is you you mentioned that the thing you'd seen was really just how involved you are with church. Uh, The thing about church is it doesn't intrinsically have anything to do with whether or not you're growing in those areas. Um, But the funny thing is if you make up your mind, for example, I want to – we started with kindness. I want to learn more about kindness, about how to be kind to myself and to other people in new ways and more creative ways. If you know that that's something that you want to work on, then stuff that happens at church could really help to support that. Um, there's activities you could get involved in or, you know, uh a, a Bible study or Sunday school class that may be talking about things related to that where maybe that might help with that process, but you you might need a, the goal first to know kind of which things would help with it. But again. You can grow in your spiritual life. We want you to grow in your spiritual life, and, and the, the fruits from Galatians 5 is just kind of one way to look at that. But here's the key thing. The fact that you are asking tough questions and trying to figure out what's really going on, that in and of itself is a great sign of good growth as a person that's going to lead in good directions in your life, and we are proud of you.
0: That is a fantastic place to start that off. A lot, a lot of great stuff there and Glenn where would we take this from there
1: well yeah i i i think uh, we can you know sum all of this stuff up and and really zero in on the idea that spiritual growth is uh, has to do with depth of intimacy that you have with the lord mm. and then uh you know looking at the fruit that that will bear uh in your life you know that that's in, in other words, fruit is is bound to come out of that. If you're if you're having an intimate relationship with the Lord, you receive love from Him. But it's you are so full, you're you're filled to overflowing with that, and the people around you will will feel the impact of that. You you will end up loving others with that love out of the abundance and and so forth. So that's that's what spiritual growth uh, is. That's what it looks like. Uh, I think it's important to recognize that in order to achieve that kind of intimacy, it's about looking at the things that are a hindrance to that. Uh, I, I think the tendency is to look at behavior stuff with that, and that's a mistake. Um, in other words, behavior is the fruit of something. But if we don't know what the something is, we could change that behavior. It'll just manifest in a different way because we haven't dealt with underlying uh, driving force there. Uh, it, you know, the Bible talks about the casting off uh, the sin that entangles us and casting off everything would hinder us and hold us back uh, so that we can run this race. Uh, I, You know, I think Jed is giving us a good uh, map of that landscape uh, of looking at, in what ways do I have, uh, you know, a, a bitterness that keeps me from... Uh, being a gentle person and what ways do I have uh, an envy that, that keeps me from being a a charitable type of person and so forth that I need to grow, but I, I have to sort of um, till the soil and, and move all of these obstacles out of the way so that I can have good growth there. Uh, But, you know, I, 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 This idea of all that connected to how involved in church you are, uh, that raises a bit of a red flag with me, frankly, because um, I think what we're all trying to get away from in the year of our Lord, beginning now with the, the start of 2021, is to recognize Perhaps the Lord is trying to teach us something about not having a church-centric view of Christianity. Wow, yeah. Uh, the, the idea is I'm going to grow here. I'm going to um, go out into the world, like go into all nations and make disciples of those nations. Uh, that That's how church is made. That's how it is grown. That is how it's spread. It's not spread through the power of celebrity, for example, borrowing from our, our uh, emergency segment there. Uh, it, it come, it's it, it, it's a, a thing that comes from one person caring for another person face- to-face, life to life there. That you know, that has an impact on the, the church universal. It, you know, It may not impact your individual church body. And they be, may be wanting you to do that. They may want to focus you to focus all your energies internally into the church. And if the Lord calls you to that, that's great. But I think for you, spiritual growth is when you make a commitment to get more imi- intimate in your relationship with the Lord. You grow in that intimacy, removing all the obstacles that hold you back. And then that's overflowing into your out of your life into the lives of people around you and whatever happens off of that, that is n- not only a spiritual growth within you, but it's a spiritual growth that you're spreading to others. And, and that's what we want for you.
0: It absolutely is. That's all great stuff. And, Lee, I'd love to get you to pick us up there on what Glenn's talking about with some of the church stuff, because as we're you know very pro getting involved in a, in a good church on this show, we drive people towards that a lot. And I wonder—he's right—that there's a certain hinkiness to judging your spiritual growth by involvement in the church. But I wonder if often we just land there as a default because uh, yeah. you know things about mm-hmm. spirituality are hard to measure; they're hard to uh, you know put a score on. But yeah. you can score how many times you went to uh, into that building. You can score how many you know how many times in a row and how, how often you took notes in the sermon and all that stuff. So, what is the role of a good church experience in spiritual growth, and what's left over from that that a church is not going to do
2: for you? That's an excellent setup, man, and I, I do want to take a kind of a, a time out and hit an ancillary point. One of the things that I that I absolutely love about the the history of the Bridge Program has always been it's not that you know, like just kind of the attitude of like. Hey, if we're hard on churches, it's not because we're anti-church. It's because we want to get you into a good one. Yeah. And um, so we have a high standard because yeah. the power of a good church is almost immeasurable. Yeah. Uh, what it can do for a community, what it can do for justice, what it can do for the poor, what it can do for an individual life. It, it's almost, there's almost no ceiling if a church will be a good church. The damage that a bad church can do is. <laughs> It's just almost endless <laughs> for, for the kingdom and the witness and, the, and, and what, what, what it means to know Jesus. And so it's one of those things where we, we are all about uh, pointing people toward good churches. We are all about people being extremely, extremely wise um, and uh, dubious about crappy churches. <laughs> so let, let's, let's put that on front street. Um, here's the thing. I think Matt's exactly right. People measure spiritual growth by church activity and attendance and service and stuff like that because real spiritual growth, exactly as these guys have laid out, it's internal stuff it's It's hard to measure. um I love the way jed said it's like it's it's immeasurable to say like how 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 well did I do on these points of the you know the the spiritual fruit or whatever and the you know and the thing is that with spirit like with church stuff. What you want to be looking for in church is, and this is a a hard thing to describe. I hope this makes sense. When you are looking for a church, you should ask this question. If this person was a church, or if this church was an individual human being, would you want to hang out with them? Like, if this whole church body was a person is that a person who talks about themselves a lot or talks or asks about you a lot? Yeah. (laughs) Um, If this church was one individual person, by the way, I stole this from my pastor, the guy that trained me in ministry. And he said, we always want to keep this in mind. If our church was a one single human being, would anybody want to hang out with us? I think that's such a great question. Um, I'll tell you this. I have no interest in hanging out with somebody who only wants to talk about themselves. And dude, there are so many churches that every sermon series is about the church, about the money the church wants to raise to build an addition onto the church or what are you bringing to the church or what are you doing to the thing? The people in my life that changed the trajectory of my life, I can name them. They were 20 years older than me. Nobody knew who they were. They lived to serve me, and when I hung out with them, they only asked about me. And they built a church that thinks about people the same way. The church that you want to get involved in is the kind of church that lives to see your growth, that wants to serve you, that wants to aid you in your progression as a person, as a, as a whole person, as a person in your intimacy with Jesus, exactly as Glenn's talking about. You don't want to, to, to measure it by how much you're aiding the church. The church should be asking the question, how are we aiding your growth? Jesus said to Peter, if you love me, feed my lambs. That's the way every pastor should see their life is, am I feeding Jesus's lambs? Am I taking care of them? Not, are they aiding me? Are they building me up? The church does not exist to create programs to keep the church going. The church exists to help you through another week of your life, period, the end. That's what they are there to do, to serve you. When you look at your own personal growth, the only thing that I really want to add into this discussion that these guys have already so beautifully laid out is just one word. If you want to know if you're growing, look at the word humility. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I don't Am care for that personally. <laughs> Am I willing to ask Jesus where, where are you at work in me this week? What's your number one target? Am I willing to ask someone wise in my life that I trust? What do you think my growing edge is? And are you engaging that process or resistant to it? Um, there's a, there's uh, three chapters in the beginning part of the Gospel of Matthew where Jesus, which the Gospel of Matthew, the whole point of the Gospel is to, Matthew wants to display to the, to the people of Israel, this is your king. Jesus has come to be the king uh, of, uh, of all of us. Jesus lays out the manifesto of the kingdom in chapters 5, 6, and 7, and the, very th- the whole thing starts out with this. The happy people are the people who are bankrupt spiritually, who know it. Humble people are the happy people. If you are a person who's willing to say, I'm not there yet, I have growing edges and blind spots, I want to engage that and not be resistant to it, then I promise you right now on this podcast, you have my word, you are so far ahead of everybody else, even if you just have that attitude of, I am spiritually bankrupt. On my own, I cannot do this, and I am asking the Lord Jesus and people in my life who I trust and who care about me to help me see what my blind spots are and my growing edges. And with the patience and mercy of Jesus and the patience and forgiveness of my friends, I want to engage that process and not be resistant to it. Your church's role is to aid you in that in any way they can, not to find out how you can aid them. That's what spiritual growth is about, and that's what spiritual growth is about when it comes to the church's involvement in it.
0: That is all fantastic stuff from all these guys. I echo every bit of that. We're going to move on to our next question, which came in and says, why is it that when you're doing well and growing and some of your friends are having struggles, they start acting weird toward you? And It's, it's an excellent question. It echoes something we recently talked about in one of our, our Bridge Live services. And Glenn, where would we start off?
1: Well, yeah, let's picture that you have a friend that is currently failing, just really, really failing, you know, in whatever, that could be professionally, it could be, you know, in in the relationship that they're in with their partner. It could be, you know, just any kind of failure that they're experiencing. Now, imagine you're having a wild success at the same time in that same area. Asking people to celebrate your success while they're failing—that that's a tall order. That that's yeah. a lot to ask. Um, it's it's fair. It's okay. It's right. I, I mean, especially if you were willing to to celebrate other people's successes when you were having failure. Uh, you know, for me, that's a little tough. Uh, maybe you're holier than I am, but you know, if you're doing that, it's it's at least a, a reasonable expectation, I suppose. But. It's a tall It's a lot to ask for people to celebrate uh, your successes uh, when they're having their, when they're having failure. Uh, it, it's it's important for us to recognize that you might have a, a totally legit point and a, a legit viewpoint about things, and that you have um, a you know a good you deserve to be uh, celebrated for your success and all of that. But it's important to recognize. There are some people just need to be left off the list of people you expect to really be a part of that. Uh, Just because they're going through something, we need to have patience and understanding with that. It doesn't mean you deserve it any less, if you see what I'm saying. Uh, Jealousy is real. It's real, y'all. It happens. The funny thing is the people who are subject to jealousy most often tend to assume it the least often. Uh, a humble person never thinks, ah, they're all just jealous of how awesome I am. <laughs> that's you know, that's not how that works. But if you're you're actually a humble person and you have successes, which you will if you are humble, as we've covered in the last segment, there, if you're humble and you're having successes, the last thing in your mind is that people are jealous of that. I mean, if you work hard to to have some sort of uh, you know ministry success or a uh, job success or whatever, you you, you don't. You think it as a, as a product of, of effort, not, you know, just a, a a quantity that other people can be jealous of. I mean, we've experienced a certain amount of people being jealous of our ministry success. And our viewpoint on that is, if you wanted to succeed, I can tell you exactly how to do it. You could just do it. <laughs> uh, you know, If you humble yourself long enough to listen to it give it a try. I I don't know. I I was talking to, I I won't mention the name, but a a denominational leader of a highly placed person is a significantly sized denomination. I said, look, you know, I can tell you and your people how to do everything that we've ever done in ministry. I can lay it out. I can explain it to you exactly. And I am absolutely certain you can do it better than me because I think you are a more sanctified and holy person than I am. And I know you think you are more sanctified and holy than I am. So I, <laughs> <laughs> there's no, I, I, I don't know where the doubt comes in that you could you could uh, do that. Uh, but, you know, jealousy is a real thing. Jealousy blinds us. and We, we don't want to access that wisdom when we're jealous. We don't want to celebrate other people's uh, victories. Uh, we don't want to learn from other people sometimes when we get that jealousy going. And that's, we, we get in that downward spiral. And if you've ever been there, let's maybe have some understanding with other people uh, who are there, even if they're acting in a really uncool and unfair way to you. Uh, here's, here's the final point, And I'll send it around to these other guys, because I think there's a lot to digest here. But this is a hard truth, but I don't think it's, it's a, a particularly, you know, a negative truth that the higher you go the smaller the circle the more successful you are the fewer people are on that same level where you're at the more you grow in your relationship with the lord the healthier your marriage is you are becoming if you have a really 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 healthy marriage you are in a severe minority yeah uh you you are you are you don't have a lot of people that can relate to you in that and that can start to feel sort of weird and lonely and disconcerting and, and all of that. But the trade-off is you have a smaller circle the higher that you go, but the fellowship gets way better. Come on now. Uh, because those people, you know they, they, you know, they need you as much as you need them because there's, there's fear of you. Uh, but they also have a lot of amazing wisdom that you can access. You can grow even more. And the bond is tighter the higher that you go in that way, even if it's a smaller circle. And if we can be at peace with that and have an expectation, that's what we're going to face. I think we can be a lot healthier with this.
0: That's a really good place to start this off. and Lee, I'd love to get you to, to pick us up here because one of the uh, things we see in the people we work with um, who are making positive changes, that could be getting sober, that could be moving to a, a better neighborhood, is the accusation of, you've changed man, which like, yeah, yeah, making changes. That's the thing we're doing here. But implicit in that is something about the people you were with not being comfortable when you become a different kind of person. And what can you tell us about that landscape?
2: Yeah, it's a really interesting thing. I, I've, I've spent a lot of years and, and, and Matt's done a lot of this as well with me where we would take, you know, uh, in in outreach and in youth groups, take, you know, kind of high school kids off to different kinds of camps and weekends and stuff where they would hear a message about the Lord. And sometimes kids would come to know the Lord and they would say, you know, the weird thing is, is that when we got on the bus to come to this place, a bunch of us got together and we made a pact. We are not going to receive Jesus Christ. Whatever they say to us, let's all agree. Let's shake on it, you know? And so when somebody goes in for that, everybody else is like, Wait, 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 we made a pact. We were not, we were gonna be the resistance man, you know, and there's a thing that happens where if you make positive changes in your life, the the fact of the matter is you have looked at your life and you've made a realization there's something I don't accept about myself. And I want to change that. And the what happens, and this kind of goes along with what Glenn was saying about the reality of jealousy in people's lives. And it's, and it's a kind of an ancillary idea, which is it's the, it's the reality of the fact that there are things about all of us that we don't accept about ourselves. But if I'm in a group and you start making changes in some of the things that, that you don't accept, then that it it's kind of like it throws a highlighter on the things that I don't accept about me. And I thought, wait, I thought we were all deciding to just kind of, live with all of the stuff that we didn't accept about ourselves. Now you're making changes. So that makes me feel like maybe you don't accept these things about me as well. And it's, it, it could be one of these things where you're not thinking that you're not casting any judgment upon those people whatsoever, but your changes that you're making become a mirror to other people about things that they don't accept about themselves, but don't know how to change. And That's not your fault, but your life is now shining a light on somebody that like, there's something about me that in all honesty, I don't accept. I don't know what to do about it. I don't know if I'm ready to make a change. And so their attitude towards you, I mean, I love the way that you write this question in, because you're like, why do people get all weird all of a sudden? That's such a great way of saying it. People's funky attitude, quite frankly, is, it's uncomfortable that now one of us, it's almost like in our lives and our friendship together, we had all decided to make a pact. We're never going to change, man. We're just going to accept this for the rest of our lives. But now one of us has, has broken. One of us has fallen. One of us has decided, I don't accept this anymore. I want something better for myself. And now it, your life becomes a mirror to everybody else. It's not something really that you're doing to them. It's actually an opportunity for them. It's not that you're judging them. Um, and I think that one of the biggest things that we can do for people is to continue to show them the patience and the love and the kindness that that the Lord has always had on us the whole time as we have not made changes in our lives. But that's a hopefully it's it's a kind of a clear explanation of like what is happening is the fact that the fact that you're making changes means you've found something in your life unacceptable and you've started to figure out a way to make a move in that and for everybody else in your life who's always just decided this is what we're going to do they're realizing oh man does that mean that there's something unacceptable in me it's a scary place for people to be but it's an opportunity for them. It's not that you're casting judgment or shade on them in any way. What you're doing is a positive and a good thing. But your life, in a way, has become a mirror to them. When you show them the kindness and the patience and the love, while you continue to live your best life, while you continue to live a, a trajectory of a beautiful life, that is a that is a way that you show them the heart of the Lord for you and for them and for everybody else in that patience. It shouldn't deter the changes that you're making, but that's what's happening. It's that jealousy that Glenn's talking about, but it's also that light shining on them. The fact that your life has become a mirror to them about the things that they really don't accept about themselves. That
0: is all fantastic stuff going on right there. And Jed, I'd love to get you picks pick us up here. Cause one of the things when we're talking about uh, jealousy and we're talking about people acting weird, it can be tempting to. Assume they are acting intentionally, sure. And you know, when you when you hear jealousy, you may think, you know, the kid who sees someone else who has the cool toy and wants to go over and take it. But I actually like the the wording that our, our friend gave us in the question of people are just kind of acting weird because there can be a lot of below the surface things going on that that no one, even the people doing it, may not entirely understand.
4: Right? No, that's absolutely true. That's absolutely true. One of the weird things about jealousy is that it is extremely common, but A, a lot of people are not being honest with themselves that they are jealous. Um, you know, that's, that's something that for a lot of people, they feel fairly embarrassed about. So they are definitely experiencing it and definitely struggling with it, but definitely do not want to uh, admit to themselves that that is what's going on. And given that, the odds of another human being ever saying to you, I am jealous of you are almost zero. Right. Uh, that's, that's just not going to happen. So it kind of puts you in an awkward position of, um, you kind of have to make some guesses. And I, here's the paradoxical thing, right? Is it feels really arrogant to say, well, I guess people are just jealous of me. Um, <laughs> but if that's what all of the evidence suggests, then we do kind of have to move forward. And, and, Here's what I mean. You need people who are happy for you, who will tell you that they are happy for you. Yes. You actually need people who will celebrate your victories and your successes. Uh, The whole lone wolf thing, uh, that's not workable, not in the long run and not really for anybody. If you're pursuing anything that's difficult, anything that's a challenge, if you're growing, you need other human beings that say, hey, man, you're doing good. Like, you you need that. It's not just that it's a nice thing to have. In the long run, you need that. And so we could say that your old friends, maybe it's not jealousy. It almost certainly is, but maybe it's not. Maybe it's that they're just obsessed with, uh, I don't know, chocolate pudding or Harry Potter or something else, but they're very, very distracted, so they can't cheer you on. Either way, though, they're not cheering you on, and you have a need to be with people who see what you're doing, see your successes, and will cheer you on. Amen. You you have a need. And so if these people either can't or won't uh, do that for whatever reason, um, you're going to need to make some changes to your relationships in order to make sure that your needs are met. And that really leads to the one more thing is now that you are discovering What a challenge it is to not have people cheer you on, to not have people not be willing to celebrate your victories. One of the things that we really want to encourage you towards is be that person for other people. Mm. Observe the people that you see in your life. Take the time to notice when they are doing something good, when they are succeeding, when they're having victories, and cheer them on. Celebrate that with them. That's a direct Christian thing. The Bible says rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. Take the time, be the person who will celebrate those victories in the life of other people. Uh, It is a beautiful thing for those people. You will get a lot out of it, uh, way more than you think you will. And critically, it's one way to redeem the ill treatment you are currently receiving. It is not cool for your friends to refuse to celebrate what's going on with you. But one of the ways that you can redeem that is to let that remind you how much other people need it and turn around and be that for other people. But at the same time, you need that in your own life. We need to go find people who are prepared to do that for you and be that encouragement to you. Uh, If you're not sure where to start with that journey, send us another note. We'd love to help you find a community where that can and will happen for you.
0: Absolutely right. That is all wonderful, wonderful stuff. We're going to move on to our final question here. It comes in and says, I've never really read much of the Old Testament for myself, outside of Sunday school stories and some Psalms. I'd really like to dive into it this year. Any tips on how or where to start? And another really, really cool question, and again, we, we dig the honesty because the Bible can be intimidating overall, and the Old Testament, even if you grew up in church and certain traditions, there's a, just a lot of stuff there. It can be tough to know where to jump in on that. And we certainly applaud your desire to do so because there's a lot of great stuff in there, which I'm sure all these guys are going to, are going to point you to, but Lee, where would we start off with this?
2: Um, yeah, this is a very cool question. I, I, I would like to say just kind of as a, just as a kind of an umbrella comment over this whole conversation. Um, not that you not that your question uh, tended this way, but just for every listener out there, if you don't know, the Old Testament, if you're not familiar with it, or even if you've tried it and you didn't like it, that does not make you any less Christian. Doesn't mean God doesn't love no, you. Doesn't mean point. you're not a part of this. Right. Um, it doesn't mean anything. Um, so we just need to say that. I mean, for the, as Matt has said on this show before, for the vast majority of the, the times that people have been following Jesus, most of the world could not read. So we, we all need to relax about our, uh, about some of our some of the intensity on biblical literacy, um, because it doesn't mean that you're not in the fold. It um, doesn't mean that, that Jesus doesn't love you or anything like that. Now, uh, let's go directly at what your question was, which is just a, a curiosity and interest. I want to make a couple suggestions that are, are, are things that, um, just one of those things that like I, I wouldn't necessarily have thought of just kind of growing up in the church, things that I've discovered uh, later in my life that have been massive aids to me. Just some practical considerations. One, I would try approaching the Old Testament as an audiobook. Um, for me, audiobooks are a great way to just kind of add um, a, a little comfort at the end of the day. Sometimes, um, like when I'm doing dishes or laundry or something like that. And if you go on certain Bible apps, you can actually get free versions of audio bibles um i think there's a there's actually even we've talked about this before but if you uh toggle to like the the certified english version on the just the the holy bible app like the free one or the bible gateway app i think maybe it is for a smartphone you can actually get the bible read to you by david suchet which is like one of my favorite actors ever the guy that played hercule poirot and like forever and ever on pbs um, just a great actor, great voice um, and I would approach the the Old Testament as an audiobook, and I would and here's the thing there's a lot of emphasis in Christian culture and Christian circles about just like getting into the granular detail of Bible study. and what I would say is listen to the Old Testament as an audiobook the way you would listen to an audiobook. don't pause it and try to dive in and understand everything, just let it wash over you let the Just let the narrative run past you. Here's another thing that I would suggest um, that if you've never tried it, it was a huge help to me in understanding the Bible, which is a book written by a woman called Karen C. Hinkley. She used to be called Karen Thorpe, um, but Karen Hinkley called The Story of Stories. It's the Bible in narrative form, basically a novelization of the Bible in chronological order. It's not very long. It's not written on a very difficult reading level. And what it does is, and, and uh, I'm, I've got a paid, an Amazon page open right now. You can get it for about eight bucks. And what it does is, it just, like, if you just read this as a novel, it will give you such a great framework so that then when you approach the Old Testament, you'll have a place to put everything that you read. You'll just have kind of a, just, it's kind of like having a drawer to put everything in. Um, And it's a very, very easy book to read, and it just gives you kind of a, a scope for what's going on in the Old Testament. Last not least, if you just want to dive into the scriptures themselves, I would suggest 1 and 2 Samuel. Those are books that are highly narrative. They have all the David stories in them. David, of course, just like a lot of exciting scenes, just a very human dude, really flawed, but sincerely loving and following the Lord like most of us are. And um, made huge mistakes. Had huge, he had huge highs, really deep lows. Um, and books of first and second Samuel cover that dude's life and some of his sons and stuff like that. A lot of really important stuff and in, in the history of Israel and everything. And so those are some places I would start. Audiobook story of stories. If you're ready to just dive right in, I would suggest first and second Samuel. But that's just my take.
0: A very very solid place to start off. I. All those things are, are really great. Um, Jed, love to get you picks pick us up here because I think one of the things that's important as much as finding an entry point like like Lee's giving us in a medium, like I think Lee's very smart and giving us some options, is looking for what perspective do we want on this because there's been a lot of stuff uh, written about the Old Testament. There's a lot of Old Testament, and it's made up of a bunch of different parts, and what we're looking to get out of it may be a good thing to start with, right?
4: No, that's absolutely right. That's absolutely right. I think that idea of of a perspective is really, really important because, um, at the very least, there are are three common ways of viewing the uh, the books that comprise the Old Testament. Uh, you have the perspective of a rabbi, uh, you have the perspective of a Christian pastor, and you have the perspective of someone who is an academic who you know maybe looking at comparative religions or or the Bible's literature. And it's worth noting that. All of those perspectives have some really interesting, really valuable things to contribute, uh, but they're all coming from different places and with different goals uh, and so that doesn't make any of them bad and I don't know that it, it technically makes any of them superior exactly, but but they are they are different, and you would want to have a sense of the kind of perspective that you're looking for and what your goals are for this information. Uh, so in other words, if your thought is just, I don't know anything about this at all, um, I would, uh, you know, never really read it. I would just like to have, you know, a, a basic idea of what's going on. I think Lee is right. Um, I think there's a lot of, of great, just kind of classic stories in the Old Testament. You know, there's, there's David and Goliath. There's Joshua in the Battle of Jericho. There's Daniel in the lion's den. Um, a lot of these are, particularly if you didn't grow up in church, you've probably heard those titles without knowing the stories. Um, and uh, you, could, you could literally just Google classic stories old testament and it would probably give you a pretty good list you could you could go read through that Uh, the the book of psalms of course is an amazing amazing book um if you're not sure where to start there start with the 23rd psalm Uh, and the reason you should start there is because it's a good one and you probably already know big parts of it and you didn't even realize it um if you want something really really practical um, then the book of Proverbs is a great book full of all kinds of really cool wisdom, uh, that is applicable kind of regardless of a person's faith journey, to be, to be really honest. Uh, so that would be if like, I've really never read any of this and I'm just curious and I just want to sense those would be great places to start. Um, mm-hmm. If you're wanting to be involved in like teaching, maybe like you want to help to lead a Sunday school class at your church, or, or maybe you want to be um, a part of um, a, um, a a youth group, you know, where you're leading a Bible study kind of thing. Um, one book that would be worth looking at. There's a writer named Gordon Fee. His last name is spelled F E E, and the name of the book is How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth. Uh, it's not light reading, but it's a good book, and there's there's a lot of good coverage from a reformed Christian perspective on the Old Testament. and And if you want to, again, you know, help with a Sunday school class or help with a youth group, that would be a really good resource. the The other purpose that's pretty common for people wanting to to dig into this stuff is they want to be able to debate with church people, uh, because when church people get on weirdness, the Old Testament comes up a lot like a, a disproportionate amount. Um, and for that, I want to encourage you, A, to not have debates with weirdos, but if, if, that's wow. where, if that's where you're coming from, there are two books that I would encourage you to, to look at. The first is a writer named Abraham Heschel. His last name is spelled H-E-S-C-H-E-L. Uh, he uh, is deceased now, but was an amazing rabbi and writer. You, anything he's written is worth reading, but his book, The Prophets, is an authoritative text on a very big swath of the Old Testament, and it is worth its weight in gold. Um, a, another really series of books, there is uh, a, uh, an academician and a translator named Robert Alter, uh, who is uh, passed away a, just a few years ago, but he has a translation and commentary on the whole of the Old Testament. I'm actually reading his, his uh, commentary on Genesis right now. Um, it is absolutely amazing. Um, it's worth the read. It is worth noting that neither Heschel or Alter are Christians. And so, uh, they are not going to be coming from a perspective of talking about Christology or how these, you know, any of this relates to Jesus. Cause that's not what they're on. Um, the one more thing that I would want to throw in that I think is worth looking at is, um, there is a lot of stuff in evangelical Christianity at this point that has basically co-opted things in the old Testament for their own political purposes. Um, and I do want to encourage you to be wary of that, uh, that when it comes to everything from slavery to abortion, to gay rights um, people that again are in the, really the political persuasion that it, that describes itself as evangelical Christianity, they have a way of taking things from the old Testament and um, deciding that they mean something quite different than what people historically have read those texts to mean. Uh, so if you are looking at those issues, I would definitely encourage you to have a look at what a person like Gordon Fee says and what a person like Abraham Heschel says and what a person like Robert Alter says as you're trying to understand uh, some of those passages and where you want to land with all of that.
0: That is absolutely right. And a thing I'm not making up, to point to a Judge exact point he ended on there, um, I was uh, looking at Twitter when we, before we started recording and there was a a certain right wing media personality who was pointing out that the real problem is that American Christianity got watered down with all that turn the other cheek stuff and doesn't about (laughs) what amazing warriors like all the people in the Bible are. And that's cuckoo pants, but is uh, there are a lot of people who want to be culturally or politically Christian who don't like the whole Jesus part and they really love digging into the Old Testament. Exactly, as Jed was saying there. And Glenn, these guys have given us a, a lot of great stuff. And you, you do a lot of work with people who are new to the faith or maybe digging deeper into the faith and may not really know anything about the Old Testament. Folks who work both behind bars or coming to know the Lord at the bridge. So where would you send folks towards getting a handle on the Old Testament?
1: Well, I like the, the way you're coming in on that question because ultimately, when you're talking about the Old Testament, we, we, we want to start with a perspective on it if we're going to study it and the perspective is this is a covenant we are no longer under uh and then from so you know we that ought to put everything you were just talking about uh, about uh, people using the old testament for their own purposes in perspective but i think if if we move past the fact that it's a covenant we are no longer under uh there is a, a tremendous amount of history that is you know allows us to put a lot of the new testament in perspective and that's really cool uh that's why these fellows are are pointing you towards uh the parts of the new testament that focus on history and uh, focus on the the story and the narrative uh that uh takes us from adam to jesus uh so i think that's good also these fellows are touching on and i want to reiterate uh, what is what is our motive with that? You know, what are we looking to, to do there? I think sometimes, I don't know if you're like me on this, but um, every now and then the devil will come along and say, you know, how good of a Christian are you? Because there's a lot of stuff in the Old Testament you don't know. Right. And the wrong response is, yeah, I need to read the Bible so I'll know stuff, and then when I know stuff, I'll be a Christian. Uh, yeah, that's uh, the 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 idea that the more Old Testament you know, the better a Christian you are. It really, does not hold up on, on any level at all. Uh, my my motive should not be taking my cues uh, from God's enemy either. Uh, so that's that stuff is right out. Uh, if I'm just uh, simply saying, I, I again, I want more of a foundation. I want more of a sense of of the history of this and how it came to be. I think you can understand a lot of the New Testament uh, in terms of the attitudes and perspectives of the Jews uh, that we read about there uh, so much better if, if you know that they're what they've been through in terms of their struggles and you know what uh, having a Messiah means to them in the middle of, of a Roman occupation. Those kinds of things be very impactful. Uh, so yeah, in terms of actual resources. I totally agree with Lee. I think an audio Bible is is a really great way to go. Uh, I I do a lot of that. Uh, Thanks to my wife. I just started uh, with the Courage for Life uh, Bible. You can go to, if you're, uh, I'm not sure about Android, but if you are an iPhone user, you can uh, go to the App Store and look up Courage for Life Bible. Uh, This is the entire uh, Bible. Uh, I think it's new living translation i i could have that wrong but uh but it's the entire bible is this the one only read by women dude this is only read by women it's a team of different women uh that do different uh, parts of the bible um uh, and that includes uh you know different ages uh women of color the whole thing uh i think it might just come in on a different wavelength for you if you need that and i think i need that and so i'm doing i'm doing it now that's why i mention it um uh, also i think if you're if you're if you feel like you want to read that's just better for you in the way you absorb things i think it's super important to um look i, I think there's a um a tendency to say let me get the most accurate translation because i want it to be just like." really scholarly about it and all that, and that sounds right, but the reality is all the translations of the Bible are, you know, they're vetted pretty darn well. You're, you're not going to get way, way off with any translation. If you're reading big chunks, you want stuff that reads quickly and reads well. Uh, if you want to try to balance those two considerations of ease of reading and accuracy— um, I recommend strongly the New International Readers version. Uh, it reads very smooth. Uh, the vocabulary is a little more simple, but it's put together by the people who, who uh, did the New International version. I preach out of it all the time when I at the jailhouse and so forth. Uh, I think it's an amazing translation and ought, ought to be way more popular. Um, but let me just land on this idea. Uh, find, it's great to find a mentor, uh, somebody who knows a lot of Bible that you can ask questions of, but what might be even better is to find a buddy. If you have a group, that's great. Uh, Maybe just you and another person or something, you know, uh, one or two or three people get together and read stuff together and and then share your thoughts with each other. And, you know, maybe Uh, One of you reads one of these uh, commentaries or one of these other books and can kind of provide perspective. But I like the idea of, uh, you know, people getting together in a sort of a fellowship context, wrestling with these things, and then taking their questions that can't be answered in that or that you're still stuck on and putting that out to either a pastor or a mentor and uh, certainly send it in to us. We will answer every question that you send uh, our way. We'd love to Get into this stuff with you and, and go through it point by point, uh, but I think there is something magic when you sort of empower yourself to get into that and 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 find your own perspective on those things. I think you'll you'll do better than trying to um, say how can I academically be the sharpest person on this. Nice,
0: that's all fantastic stuff. I will throw a couple of other recommendations on the very very good things these guys have given you if you're looking for another, um, a narrative, a narrative version of some things like Lee, uh, uh Lee suggested, uh, there's novel by my favorite author, Fred Bigner called Son of Laughter about Jacob's story, which is very, very cool and very, very well written. If you like, uh, very just kind of a very well told story and it gives you some interesting perspectives. Another thing I look at that we've talked about in another context is a book called the Jesus Storybook Bible. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, very easy to get. Uh, it's a cool thing to have. It is literally written for children. It's got a lot of um, stories in the Old Testament broken down into kind of one, two pages. It's beautifully illustrated and it's nice on its own. But also as these guys are saying, it's a great way to get, dip your toe in the water and look at what's the thing I want to look at more because you don't get extra points and it may not be the best idea for you to start in Genesis one and just. Just crank through it. There's nothing wrong with uh, jumping uh, with some of the poetry. There's nothing wrong with, as Lee's saying, you know, look going to First Kings and looking at the David stories and jumping around to Jeremiah and reading some prophecy. the The Old Testament is a collection, but it is a bunch of individual books that are individual types of literature, and you don't get any points for for completion or uh, doing it in the the correct order. It's perfectly acceptable to flip through something like a Jesus Storybook Bible, or just as Jed was saying, a Wikipedia page or something, and just look at what's interesting to you, what jumps out to you, and then dig into it. That's, that's perfectly valid and very helpful way to, to approach the Scripture, especially something as big and uh, can't potentially hairy as the Old Testament. All right, if you have a question for us, set podcast at gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumblr.com slash ask, if you want to keep that totally anonymous. You can sign up for Bridgebox at MissionUSA.com slash Bridgebox. You can join us every Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. Central Time at Facebook.com slash TheBridgeChicago for The Bridge Live. We're going to take you out with a a track recorded long ago when we could get many, many people in the same room and record them singing. This is Jed leading some folks at the bridge in a worship song called Greater Is He. Take out that. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's (coughs) nothing you can do about it.
1: Coming to HBO, this summer's hottest new reality-based hospital drama, Paging Dr. Feelgood, Motley Crue are back, and they're not qualified, but they're going to try and heal people with the power of fame.
3: Oh